Um, welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel. We are so glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. We are just excited to continue to worship the Lord through the study of God's Word. So if you've got your Bibles, um, why don't you pull those out, grab those along with me. We're going to be studying in Psalm chapter 150 today. That is the last chapter of the book of Psalms. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Nathaniel. I'm the worship and student director here at Harvest, and I'm just excited for the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Um, so Pastor Micah has been taking us through uh, our series titled, We Are Harvest, just talking about who we are, like what we are all about, um, and today we're going to be looking at the final uh, topic of this series, um, Unashamed Adoration. It's a topic I'm just excited personally to uh, share with you today, as it's obviously one I'm typically uh, personally involved with uh, every Sunday here at Harvest, so let's get into that. So as a kid, uh, you probably heard the phrase, because I said so, told to you at least a couple times. And now, as, if you're a parent now, you've probably said that to your kids. Let's not count how many times we've said it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, as I've been preparing for this Sunday, I actually caught myself uh, about to say that to one of my kids. They were asking, why do we have to get out of the bathtub? Which is, seems crazy, because kids usually hate the bath, right? Um, but I started to say, because I, and I had to turn it into, well, because I already asked you to, and it's, it's important to listen to your dad, and you're already clean. And I think I just started rambling, just so I wouldn't finish my original phrase, just because I knew I was going to bring that up today. Now, obviously, this phrase can be said for a number of reasons. Maybe we just were tired of answering just another question, right? Um, or maybe we felt the need to impose our authority in a situation, or maybe honestly, as a parent, like, we just had no idea why, but we just needed them to listen. But in those moments, have you ever felt like our kids didn't really learn why they should be told what they're being told to do? I mean, they might obey in the moment, but it really didn't get dig deeper into their hearts, except for that one instance. Now, I'm excited to talk about this idea of unashamed adoration because uh, praise and worship is deeply integrated into the church. I mean, we love to start our mornings here, just like hit, hit the ground running and just praise the Lord. I love getting to do that with you guys every single Sunday in the band. Just killed it today. Um, such a great way to start our morning. But because it's such a huge part of what the church is about, a lot of times we just kind of do it, right, without really understanding why we're doing it. We do that sometimes so much so that we begin to create these misunderstandings of why we worship. So uh, many, many years ago before Harvest, uh, I came across this job posting for a worship leader position. Um, and it, I had always saved, saved it just because some of the lines on it just kind of, it made me laugh. So hopefully it'll make you laugh too. But um, the first line in it said, uh, qualified candidates should be able to lead worship with right heart and right attitude. That's good. Humble Worship leadership, that's good. Um, in parentheses, next to it said, no rock stars. <laughs> kind of a specific detail there, but um, so later on, a couple lines later, it said, have stage, now stage was all caps, have stage experience, preferably in a rock setting. <laughs> what I love, it, it ended with this, not interested in the next Chris Tomlin. Uh, <laughs> My apologies to Chris Tomlin, I don't, I'm not sure. I feel like it would have made way more sense if they'd said, just not interested in the next Stephen Curse Chapman or something. <laughs> that one was for Chris. 
No, no, thankfully, Pastor Micah got much better at writing job descriptions after this. Totally kidding, that was not him. He's not here to defend himself, so. You know, maybe not the way I would have advertised, personally, but maybe this church, you know, had legitimate reasons for looking something so specific. Maybe they had a demographic that they really felt called to lead in their church, and they felt this was the way to do that. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to that. And this is the case for many churches. I mean, we all have a style. We all have a sound that we are going for, that we prefer. But also, have you seen that these examples sometimes tend to lead to the tearing apart of a church? Because how often do we miss really the simple reason that we are called to worship the Lord? Now, obviously, God's authority ranks over mine by like a billion. So if he said, uh, praise me because I said so, like, I'd probably just go with it because he's God and I'm not, and I'm just, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, but guess what? He doesn't do that. In all of his goodness, he not only directs us, but he teaches and he instructs. I mean, you, you'll find countless verses throughout the Bible of praise being offered to the Lord. And it's so great that in these six verses that we're going to look at in Psalm 150, God uses this psalm to help lay out really the where and the why and the how of worship for us. We're going to see practical reasons as, and ways to worship within this text. And so where we ultimately want our hearts to be in view of worship, and what our main point for this morning is this, that unashamed adoration directs our hearts to God's unlimited greatness. So think about that. I think unashamed. This is without embarrassment or guilt or doubt. Offering this adoration, this deep love and worship and affection. That's what we're talking about here. This is the goal. The unencumbered, free, fully expressed worship to our Heavenly Father. So let's take a look at that today. Again, we're in Psalm chapter 150. I just want to start, I want to read all six verses from the beginning. Just kind of set the tone to keep going through worship, because this is just chock full with praise. So let's read through this together. Starting in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. I mean, we're just jumping right in. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Woo! Come on. Does that just get you, like, that alone gets you fired up, right? So let's focus in a little bit here. Let's look at just verse 1. Let me read that again. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So our first point this morning is, in every place, praise the Lord. Okay, so right off the bat, we're called to what? We're going to hear this a lot today. We're called to praise the Lord. And you may have noticed, in these six verses, you'll find the word praise 13 times. So the message is pretty clear, I would say. And we're given an image immediately as to what kind of God we are worshiping. It's the one that sits on the throne in the expanse of the heavens. And right away we see that the reason we worship is because of him. It is nothing about us. We are coming into the presence of a mighty God who stretches out his arms 
across all of his creation, and we simply just, we bow before him because he is so worthy. Okay, so what is the sanctuary that it references? Well, we can first see this as a reference to the place of worship on earth where God's people gathered, and in the psalmist's day, this was the temple in Jerusalem. Among the Israelites, the sanctuary was the most retired part of the temple. This was the Holy of Holies, the place where, under the Old Covenant, God promised he would dwell in their midst, and he declared, there I will meet with you. And then under the New Covenant, Jesus became the fulfillment of the Old Testament by becoming the sacrifice that satisfied the payment forever by his blood. And because of Christ's finished work, on the cross, God, through his son's fully atoning work, now invites us to make him our sanctuary, our place, or better, our person of refuge in times of discouragement or distress or joy and worship. We as believers can say of Christ, our sanctuary, that you have been our dwelling place. By faith, we have made Jesus our most high. So for us, in Christ, we are told to praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Well, God is the sanctuary. And with Christ in us, we are not bound to this singular temple or location to bring praise to the Lord. So for us, we can read this. We can say, praise God everywhere. Praise God on earth, praise God in the heavens. And one commentator said it this way, that glory fills the universe. His praise must do no less. So, church, praise God in your car on the way to work. Praise God with your spouse at home. Praise God with your kids before bed. And when you're alone, no one else is there but you and the creator of the universe. And praise God. Because worship is not bound by a location. It encompasses all of a believer's life. I found that the most powerful expressions of worship can be found in the quietest moments with the Lord. Have you felt that before? That we have the ability to talk and sing to and give praise to the one who is sitting on the throne is a gift that we really can never fully comprehend, but man, we cannot take that for granted. As a worship leader, I've had the opportunity to just attend a lot of like, worship leadership training. And one common thread that I've seen throughout all of them has really been the emphasis on this personal, private, the secret moments of worship to the Lord. These, these are re the really special moments. This is when our love for God is stirred through our worship to him, where it then carries over into those difficult moments of our days, where even Monday morning is a powerful expression of worship and then prepares our hearts for this collective public Sunday gathering. So we see here that in Christ, we have the ability to worship the Lord everywhere. But I, I don't want to miss just acknowledging just how great the importance of gathering really is. 
You know, there was an article written of, in March of last year that staff and elders had a, a conversation about when it was published, and um, the name of the article read like this, said, church as we know it is over, here's what comes next. That's going to get your attention, right? <laughs> uh, and it starts out saying that the approach of inviting people to a physical location or just building a model that focuses on that physical location, like this, they said this way of church is dead. So the article was emphasizing uh, online virtual models for people who are just on the go, uh, too busy to get into an actual church building, or maybe just unwilling to go to a church. Obviously, little did this author know uh, how much the church would have to adapt within the next year. Uh, But I gotta tell you, I think this general idea and approach is misguided, to say the least. Don't, Don't get me wrong, I mean, We as a church, we adapted like crazy at the start of quarantine. We moved to a fully online church gathering, which was not easy at all. But we knew the need to still worship together in some form was so incredibly vital. But we also knew that while we we still integrate many of those practices, we still got a ton of tech up on the back on that table right there. And we'll probably continue to do that going forward in, in some way. We never kept our eyes off the goal of this right here. Being together as a family of believers, giving praise to our God, our sanctuary. Because when we gather, the praise of God really should be our main business, right? When we gather as the church. Because we gather primarily to meet with God, to corporately offer praise to him. But how often does Sunday morning become really our only time of worship in the week? So I mean, just just imagine with me how our corporate worship to the Lord could be enhanced if every single person walking through those doors has been stirring their hearts, just pouring out their love for Christ, glorifying and singing and praising God wherever we're at throughout the week. Now, obviously I say, you know, walking through these doors, but... I do not want to overinflate the importance of this specific location, as though we need a specific building to do that. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing for the building in Afton that we're now using for offices and counseling, student ministry, small groups, the mobile markets, and we'll eventually call our permanent home. And also, what a blessing to have such a wonderful relationship with Green Park over all these years. But... I mean, honestly, let's, let's be real. If God required us to be in a special, holy building, I am not fully confident it would be one that had basketball hoops hanging from the ceiling. Sports is not where I feel closest to God. Uh, if, if you grew up in my generation, if you remember the uh, audio adrenaline song, Big Big House, anybody please? My idea of heaven never involved a big, big yard where we could play football. Like, (laughs) no thank you. I'm gonna be in the big, big house at the big table, eating all the food, you know what I mean, with the AC. We don't need these spaces to worship. It's helpful, sure, to have the resources they provide us, but, but does our worship to Christ only elevate because we walk into this room? or walk into the church? Because if the answer is yes, 
then we may have the wrong view of our glorious Jesus. Because what we do here, together, every Sunday, is we bring our individual, personal worship to Jesus into this space. And united in our transformed hearts and lives through our Savior, we express that praise collectively in an outpouring of worship. We're affirming as a church body that we believe that God is worthy of our daily worship. Our Sunday morning worship is strengthened by our daily devotion to worshiping the Lord. So we see already just in verse 1 that we have the gift of praising God everywhere we go as he fills the heavens and covers the earth with his presence, we have the opportunity to encounter him at any moment. And what a gift we have received through Jesus, right? So as we've gotten this understanding of, of this, the where in worship, just from this first verse, we are then instructed on the why. So let's continue on. Let's read verse 2 again together. So verse 2 says this, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So first we said in every place, praise the Lord. Our second point this morning is, for every reason, praise the Lord. We praise God for what he has done and for who he is. I mean, all you have to do is just read your way through the Psalms that we're in right now and you'll be reminded of some of the great things God has done. In Psalm 139, it, it talks about how he formed you while you were in the womb and ordained all the days of your life. In Psalm 22, it, it already talks about how he sent the Messiah to die for our sins. In Psalm 23, it shows us his providing for our every need as our good shepherd. In Psalm 32, it tells us of the forgiveness of sin which God gives to the repentant sinner. Psalm 57 describes how God is sufficient in times of trial. And Psalm 119 extols God's word, which he has graciously given to guide us, and on and on and on. I mean, truly, God has done some mighty deeds. I mean, honestly, just think of how he has dealt with you. And he sought you when you were dead in your transgressions and sins, when you were hostile toward him, he caused you to be born again to a living hope. He has dealt graciously and patiently with you to lead you to the place where you are today. And uh, Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's still working. So praise God for his mighty deeds. And these are just in relation to us and we praise him just alone for all of his instances of his might, the power of his providence, the power of his grace, what he has done in the creation and government and redemption of the world and for his own church. So we praise him for all of his mighty deeds, but even apart from his many works, God is worthy of praise simply for who he is. We praise him according to his excellent greatness, not that our praises can come close to matching God's greatness, because his is infinite. 
God is greater than we can express. So we must raise our expressions to the highest degree we can attain. God is greater. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, just to paint you a picture of who we're worshiping, it says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. And later in chapter 6, it says, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. That's the God we worship. His being is unlimited. There's nothing little about God, and there's nothing great apart from him. So don't be afraid of saying too much or expressing too much in the praises of God. I mean, think of at a funeral or just speaking on behalf of someone, how easy it is to go on and on about the great men and women in our lives. I mean, can we not do the same for him? If we are to be a people of praise, we must understand the where, that God is to be praised in all of heaven and earth. We must understand this why, that God is to be praised for his mighty acts and his perfect attributes. But finally, we must also understand the how. So let's finish up our verses today. Let's read the last couple of verses, starting in verse 3. It says, Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It says it one more time. Praise the Lord. So we saw that in every place, praise the Lord. And for every reason, praise the Lord. And finally today, with every expression, praise the Lord. I feel like these verses are pretty clear. What it says to me is basically just pull out all the stops and give it everything you got, right? Because this is putting our whole physical body into every aspect of worship. I mean, you use your breath to blow the trumpet. Uh, My wife played trumpet when she was younger, so I'm going to have her come up and do a quick trumpet solo. (laughs) No. You use your fingers to play the lute and harp. If you're wondering what those were, the lute. Use your whole hand to hit the tambourine. You move your whole body to the dance. And we don't need to get ourselves like too bogged down on like the specific instruments here. We don't see too many lutes, but maybe they're making a comeback. I don't know. We can use one if someone plays it. Let me know. But just look at everything being used. I mean, there are stringed instruments. We got those. There's wind instruments. There's loud percussion instruments. We got a full drum set today. How cool is that? Yeah. When when you look at all this, when you see how it's described, it starts to sound more like this festive parade, right? More than what you would deem this like serious worship gathering. Because there's a festive, joyous air to these verses. Because worship is not solely to be the somber, formal exercise devoid completely of joy. And yes, we need to be reverent as it's fitting in the presence of the Lord, absolutely. Of course, there's a place for soberness. And if you've attended any of our Good Friday services, you've seen that. 
when we confess our sins and we think on the Lord's death? Absolutely. But God also wants his people to celebrate his goodness. Because ultimately, we praise a risen Savior. Our faces should reflect that we're enjoying God and his provision for us in Jesus. Okay, so you may be here thinking, like, that is just, that's not my personality. Like, I'm just a quieter person. I'm more reserved. Um, but are you? Okay, so obviously I talked about, like, sports is not my thing, but you're going to be really proud of me for this one, right? So imagine with me, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Your favorite team is behind by five points in the final seconds of the game. You hear the crowd roaring. <sighs> it's exciting, right? On the last play of the game, the quarterback for your team drops back and throws a long pass. The end grabs the pass, outruns the defense, and steps into the end zone to give your team a one-point victory. I don't know what I just read. I had to look it up. <laughs> don't know if it's right, but it happened. But how quiet and reserved are you in that moment? I mean, I think we could all hear Billy Bricky screaming his head off when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, right? I think we could all hear it from our own homes. And I also, I just used a football analogy, so if anyone's got some gold stars or cookies, just toss them up. I'm very proud of that. Okay, so here's mine. Maybe this will align with you a little bit more. Okay, imagine this. You're sitting in a crowded movie theater back when you could do that. Um, you're watching Avengers Endgame. Now this is, I didn't hear much from that, so I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> okay. This is 10 years of Marvel movies culminating in this one massive crossover. Captain America is the last man standing against Thanos and his army. And just when all hope seems lost, Falcon signals and caps here on your left. And suddenly, hundreds of portals open up to reveal all of our lost heroes. Finally, with this renewed sense of strength, Captain America wields Thor's hammer. He goes, and for the first time in 10 years, he says, what does he say? Avengers, assemble. Oh, I'm telling you what, I am the first to admit, I expressed some joy there. I might, I might have shed a tear. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. It was exciting. And you see, we, we all have things we get excited about, right? We all have things that we just can't help but express a joy in. So why does that excitement not always carry over into the presence of God? You see, praise is a natural response to the incredible that's occurring. I just think when you see something spectacular, it's not only natural, but it's, it's even just physically necessary to fully enjoy the moment, to just shout, whoa, did you see that catch? I mean, you just, it, you're so excited, you just want to share that excitement with someone else who you know just loves that just as much as you do, right? Because praise is both natural and necessary to fully appreciate the object that's being praised. It, it just, it needs to be expressed, right? So what if you're there, uh, just excited about the game, I'm still talking about sports here, y'all, and you're with your spouse or a friend or Nathaniel, and they just don't appreciate the game. You know, what if you shout like, whoa, did you see that play? And they, or I, uh, just kind of shake their heads and are like, 
what's the big deal? Like, who cares? Like, I would be nicer about that, but something like that. No, you know, you'd, you'd probably think to yourself, they just don't love the game. Because if you love the game, you tend to get excited about it, right? And if you love the Lord, you should get excited about gathering with the, his people to praise his name. But if you come to church with no preparation, maybe you're hassled about some other problems, maybe you just keep glancing constantly at your watch thinking like, I got other things to do. You'll, you're, just, you're never going to praise God as you should. Certainly not as much as he deserves. We also need to worship with fervency or intensity. You're just, we've, we've got to be all here when we're here. We've got to focus our minds on God. We should concentrate on the significance of what we're singing and the, and the words of scripture that are read. We did both already this morning. We just have to, we have to shake off that apathy in worship. We have to make praise our priority and dedicate our whole self to the process. We just uh, consider, consider those moments when, you know, like a celebrity or just a famous athlete, when they pass away, and oftentimes you'll find either at a game or at an event, somewhere in the middle of the festivities, they'll pause and they'll take a moment of silence. They do this to remember and to pay respects for that person, right? Now, obviously, that moment can't last forever, so the silence they, they, they stop and they, the silence lasts. And then it's back to business as usual, right? I just can't help but wonder or worry if that isn't the same way the church often views worship. It's like, I'm here. I've got an hour to give him. Let's give God this hour. And then we can get on with our life. We can get on with the other things that we've got going on. But really, church, we ought to come with the fervency and expectancy as if Jesus himself were going to be present because guess what? He is. And he deserves our giving him everything we've got in worship. So we see we're given the, the where and the why and the how of worship, so helpful. And as a bonus here, God shows us just the who in this last verse. So we see that the qualification of who is praising God is everything that has breath. So are you breathing? Like, I know it's through a mask, but is there still breath filling those lungs right now today? In uh, the book of Luke, in chapter 19, so Jesus is preparing to enter a village, so he sent two of his disciples ahead of him to bring back a colt for him to ride in on, into the village. And as he entered, the, the whole of his disciples began to praise God with this loud voice for all the mighty works they had been seeing. So they were shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, they were giving praise to Jesus in that moment. 
So of course, our good old reliable Pharisees, who apparently just followed them around to complain about every single thing they did, what did they do? They started to call out. They said, yo, rebuke your disciples. They did not like what they were doing. So Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So do you want the rocks doing the work for you? Because I'm telling you, one way or another, the Lord will be worshipped. And we are called to be the worshippers. With every breath in our lungs. So in light of all we're seeing here, here's some things I think we can do as Christ followers just to help elevate um, and better express our worship to the Lord and let's throw in some practical things I think that we can do in our daily lives. So the first thing that we can do is just to worship with awe. This feeling of reverence is produced typically by something or someone that is grand or extremely powerful, right? Let's be honest, I think, I think the problem is that we so often don't see God as the almighty God. I think our minds sometimes have a hard time imagining just how big God is, so we, we make him small to help us fit him into our understanding. And then our worship becomes small. So we have to come to the place where we can see God for who he really is. One of uh, my favorite things to do uh, in creation, it's very easy because all I have to do is, I like to go out on my porch during a heavy rainstorm. Something my dad did when I was growing up and I just, it's like the most relaxing thing to me. Um, And my daughter McKay has picked up that same love. And so uh, she'll see the rain and say, Dad, let's go. And so we'll just, we'll sit together and we'll talk and we'll watch the rain and just look at the power of God's creation. I know a couple of you here like to hike uh, and and camp. Just think about those moments when you finally reach the peak of that mountain and you just get to look out at the expanse. Maybe you lay back at night um, just amazed, looking at the stars, looking at all that is out there, right? So are we in awe of the Lord? And does this compel you to worship him? So what can you do then? What, what is something that draws you to feelings of awe before the Lord? You know, that compels you to worship him? You know, why don't you get out in nature? Like, I know, ew, bugs. But like, why don't you try it? Get out and just see what God has created. Maybe use your artistic creativity that you just haven't tapped into. Like, paint a picture. Learn an instrument. Write a song. And if you learn an instrument, like, come audition for the worship team. We'll take you. Write some poetry. Do something outside your normal routine that just creates a heart of awe and worship to the Lord. God is an artistic God. That's why he's given us those gifts and abilities. Let's use them. The next thing that we can do is to worship with abandonment. I guess I know that uh, there are lights on the stage. Because let me tell you, worship is something we do. It's, it's not something we watch. I know all the chairs are facing all of what's going on here. But let me tell you, just 
really plainly, like what this team does here, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but like it's not really for you, if you know what I mean. Like we can certainly experience that overflow of the benefits of worship, right? We felt that, we feel that. But we, we aren't really playing this music to you. Because if you walked into this room at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, after this team spent the hour before that um, hauling in crates, plugging in cables, and setting up equipment, which I promise you they are happy to do. They have hearts of service here. What you'll see is, you'll see a team worshiping the Lord in an empty room. And what we're doing is simply just asking you to come with prepared hearts, just eager to join along with us, because at 10 a.m., guess what? We're worshiping the Lord again. And we hope that you're there with us. And I know, hopefully this doesn't sound biased, because obviously, like, I'm the worship guy. But really, like, God, God's word is telling us in this text to specifically express worship to him through music. This isn't just like a, like, hey, I like worshiping with music, so I think you should too. No, it's, it's laying it out for us here. Worship is a participation activity. It is not a spectator sport. We don't just attend worship. We enter into it with everything we've got here today. And then guess what? You can do that tomorrow morning and Tuesday and Wednesday. So I encourage you. Something as, as simple as make a playlist. If you've got Spotify Premium, make that playlist on there. Use music in your daily life just to create an atmosphere of worship. Or maybe next Sunday, if, if this isn't your normal, just simply stand with us. Or maybe clap your hands. You'll figure out the rhythm. Maybe sing a little bit. We don't care if you're out of tune. God loves to hear your voice. And I, how about this one? Why don't you raise up a hand? I know it can seem scary, but I promise you, no one in this room is looking at you. But there is an audience of one who's just waiting to receive it. Last thing you can do is just to worship with your life. The only fitting response to all he has done is to give back to him all that we are. Our life reflects what we value most. The verse that was actually read earlier in Matthew 6 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you treasure? You know, if you were to ask the people that witness your day-to-day life that same question about you, how would they respond? Do you find treasure in your career, your success, your achievements? Because you may find that your answer is, yes, I am a great worshiper. But the thing I worship is me. Because you worship what you find most valuable. And is often revealed in your life. Worship is a whole life response to God's greatness and glory. It involves all of ourselves. It guides our actions 
our responses, our decisions, our attitudes. So today, we have a great opportunity to evaluate the object of our worship. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I just I want to do whatever I can to make sure that the object of my worship in my life is the one and only God. As I said in the beginning this morning, unashamed adoration directs our hearts to God's unlimited greatness. So what has your heart? Where is your heart directed? Listen, I, I know this year has not been easy for so many of us. It has been a struggle, and we have wrestled with a lot in this world, haven't we? And it's easy to get wrapped up so tightly in those things, you know, just to lose sight of where our hearts should be. But do you still recognize God as the one who covers all of the heavens and the earth with his presence? Do you still see God for what he has done and who he is, and for all of his great acts in the world and in your lives for his exceedingly excellent greatness? Or do you leave here, just kind of go about your day without really another thought of the Lord? Or is God calling you right now just to something more? Maybe right now you're just feeling God just drawing you near to him, calling for you to express this adoration to him. We have so much battling for our hearts, battling for our attention. And God is standing here saying, look at me. Set your hearts on me. Worship me because I am the only thing truly, truly worthy of it. So let everything you have Let every breath you breathe praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't you stand with me? Let's pray and then we'll sing worship to the Lord today. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word this morning. We thank you that you invite us to participate in this ongoing praise of creation. Lord, help us to see you with new eyes and a new heart today. That our love for you would create in us a response of unashamed worship. That our lives would reflect that of a true worshiper. God, stir our hearts for you, our love for you. Let it not leave this room and mean nothing else to us. Let us wake up every morning with a desire to give you the praise that we know that you deserve. Let that carry over into every facet of our being, every facet of our lives. Let those that see us know that we want nothing above you. Lord, we want to be in awe your goodness, 
of your excellent greatness. We want to stand before you and recognize that you alone are worthy of our praise and worship. So Lord, help us to remember that. Help us to be mighty worshipers to you. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Let's worship.